What's up, everyone? Welcome to a special episode of Nostalgia. My name is Dave Martinson. You'll notice that my normal co-host, Pat Sheen, is not here today. And that's because, you know, for the first time, I'm starting a new interview vertical for Nostalgia. This will be not your weekly look at pop culture, but rather a dive into basketball and the NBA with my good Twitter friend, Jono Peck. Jono, how are you today? Dave, it's a pleasure to be here. I think this is actually my first podcast dedicated exclusively to basketball. Like I've interviewed some people in the basketball world for my podcast, putting in work, some people from ESPN and from NBA TV. But for me to actually talk about NBA, I'm excited. I'm pumped to be here. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, hell yeah. It's actually the first one for me in a long time too. Royal fans and nostalgia know I used to have a sports podcast from 2015, 2016. And I stepped away from that to devote my time to nostalgia. But, you know, I just had an inkling with NBA so good right now. And I know plenty of people throughout the Internet that have a lot to say. And there's plenty to talk about anyway. I figured, why not jump back in? Yeah. Yeah. I've I've got Uh, friends where I've seen them a couple of times lately. And because of other things going on, we get to like the end of the night and we're like, man, we haven't even talked about the free agency yet. And we're like, there's too much to talk about. Let's not even bother (laughs) Once we get started, we'll be here for another hour or so. It's been so crazy. Hell yeah. Before we go, actually, tell everyone about uh, putting in work a little bit more. Yeah, so putting in work is an interview podcast where I talk to different guests every week, usually someone from the creative world of the internet, whether it's a YouTuber or a podcaster, someone who makes music or writes books or you know, comedians, all kinds of people like that. And I just rack their brains about how they got to where they are and their philosophies on work and, and work ethic and the behind the scenes grit and grind that got them to where they are and get a bit of advice for them for the listeners. So keeps me pretty busy. I've just put out episode 75. So it's going well. Yeah, no, it's a great listen. I think you're a real good interview and you've got Thanks. some great guests on there already. So everyone definitely check that out, subscribe and you won't be disappointed. But in the meantime, Let's get to that basketball and you know free agency, as you alluded to. Lots to talk about there. But you know, before we get to that, you're in Australia and you're a little older than me. I mm. want to know just how did you come to the NBA? Like, what was it like at that time when you became a fan? Yeah. So as I was growing up as a kid in the 90s, basketball was starting to become a really cool thing to follow, but it was still kind of hard to follow because right. like it just wasn't on TV. There was like one or two games a week and it was in the middle of the night. So you had to tape it on the VHS and on the VCR. And mm-hmm. then you had NBA action every Saturday morning. And that was the highlight because you got to see the top 10 plays of the week and that kind of thing. So if you were really into basketball, like I became, there was ways to, to get into it, but you had to really want it. And as for why I got into it, I don't really know. I think it had a lot to do with NBA Live 97 on the PlayStation 1. <laughs> that I played that game so much. And that really fueled my thirst for knowledge and for stats and getting into you know, which college did this guy go to? And, oh, that that guy's the same height as this guy, but he's so much faster and that's so interesting. So as like a 10-year-old, that really, yeah, just fueled my passion for, for the NBA. Right, and is that how you became a Bulls fan? Just because yeah. Jordan <laughs> the Bulls were popping at exactly. the time? Exactly. It was, it was like 1997. And I think especially I mentioned like getting into it, but my babysitter, I remember at the time, was a huge Bulls fan. And he was probably 16 or 17 years old and was one of those people that just idolized Jordan and Pippen and had posters covering every inch of his bedroom wall. And I kind of inherited that from him and the stories he would tell me about MJ and, and Rodman and everything. So I very much, yeah, took that 
that persona from him and ran with it even though you know I came in at the tail end of Jordan's era that was kind of where the uh the legend started for me and I've kept with the Bulls since then through right. some some sad times which we're we're right in the middle of at the moment as well <laughs> yeah I respect I don't really care when you become a fan of a team especially if you're young like yeah. I mean that's that's only logical but I just like I just don't like it when people like will ditch the team. Like if you stop being a Bulls fan like right after the Derrick yeah. Rose run or something, that doesn't seem like fandom to me. I know some nah. people just <laughs> they, they don't like understand that concept. But I don't you know I don't want to like argue with them about it. It's just I don't know. Like if you've been a fan a while, you understand. Um, yeah, it's funny. I kind of did not that I ditched the team, but my interest in basketball dropped off a lot as I grew older and interested in other things. Like I got really into wrestling and I got really into music and video games, and then I kind of rediscovered my love for basketball in like 2009 and I, I feel like that's a, it was a good time because the Bulls weren't like a big team yet it wasn't like I was jumping on a bandwagon they I, that was the year that they had that triple overtime game seven series with Boston a lot of people it was like coming out for Derek Rose in his rookie season so it was a great time to jump back in and catch up on a lot of stuff that I'd missed over the previous five or six years yeah no for sure what, what's it been like as an Australian, seeing more and more Aussies come into oh, the league. Awesome. I mean, I mean, you got Ben Simmons now. Do you identify with Ben Simmons? Yeah, How long was he even in Australia? So, well, he definitely grew up here, and it wasn't until I think he was like sixteen or seventeen okay. that he moved that over to Canada. <laughs> yeah, and he's got the accent. That's really the most important thing. <laughs> like Kyrie, yeah. someone that was born here, and then he's grown up in the states, so he doesn't really identify as an Aussie. He doesn't have the accent. He doesn't want to play for the Boomers in the Olympics. So, you know, you guys can have him. We've got, yeah, we've got Simmons, we've got Ingles, and we held on to the Bogut and Delaver Dover, like the glory years of, of those guys in, in the fact that we had an Aussie in the finals every year for like four years, four or five years, I think. That's true. Which was pretty cool. And Patty, um, Patty Mills made that easy. Yeah, that was, yeah, and that was the other one. So between Patty, Deli, and, and Bogey, we were represented fairly well. And that's actually nice. done a lot of of good things for I think the casual fan over here and mm -hmm. the fact that you know Dante Exum got drafted number two that was always a pretty big story and then obviously with his career not taking off the way that it would have you would have hoped Simmons coming along and knowing for years that he was going to be a, a big deal like it's definitely right. at a point now where the media has, is paying attention and they're trying to act like they have been following it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually I'm still in on Exum. You know, he just got that uh, mm. three-year extension with the Jazz, and I feel like a lot of his game is still like theoretical. Like in theory, he's a great, yeah, great, uh, <laughs> compatriot to Donovan Mitchell, and you know that defense. But you see the flashes when he's healthy. The problem is he has, hasn't been healthy, but he's still really young. Yeah, I'm not really sure who the like comparison is that we've seen have, have a good career with his type of game. I don't know. What is he a poor man's like? He's a poor man's Ben Simmons. Like he's got that length and he's got that size, right. but he's you know, and he's billed as a point guard, but he doesn't like you, you know. They say you have to either be able to pass and shoot well, or dribble well, and I'm not sure what it is exactly right. that Dante Good does point. really well. And is it defending? Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's what it is because he kind of locked up. I can't. Who did they play in the first round? He locked up with the star of the, the team they were up against, and that was kind yeah, of his what, big um, moment. Was it Russell? James Harden, was it? Yeah, well, he, he did good against Harden. But they lost, yeah, I think they it might have been. Yeah, that's right. But, but I, I remember like he played Harden really well on a, a few key possessions. Yeah. And it was like, okay, we can see 
he's got he's going to have a career. That's it's not like up in the air right. that he's going to have an NBA career. It's just that is he going to live up to that number two pick? Mm, probably not. But let's see what he's got once he's you know got a few years of of play under him without that injury. I don't think he was the number two pick, wasn't he? Like fifth or something? Yeah. Slightly less pressure. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but either maybe way, so. you know, I might be remembering it wrong. The lottery. So same thing. One other guy. He's a New Zealander. So how do you feel about Stephen Adams? Because I know New I love Zealand Stephen is not Adams. Australia, <laughs> but he's still, I don't think he still likes in the Yeah, I love Stephen Adams. He's such a personality, and like he's just like the classic tough guy Kiwi that you love to see right. in the sports world because they've got that reputation through rugby and everything of of being that that kind of that gritty player and as much as he'll he would hate to hear it there's not a lot of differences between the Aussies and the Kiwis and I think that him and Bogut probably have a lot in common as well and that they they both don't take any nonsense they're both tough as nails like how many times you've seen Steven Adams get punched in the face or elbowed in the neck and he barely even blinks <laughs> yeah no see I just need you to tell me that because I know like yeah. you know some people are like oh New Zealand, it's not Australia. Don't be an uneducated American about it. <laughs> I'm aware. But yeah, no, I like Steven Adams too. He's a I'm not I'm not the biggest Russell Westbrook guy, but mm. you know, Adams uh, is a is a great compliment to him and is a great personality in his own right. I just fact checked and you're right. Uh, it was uh the, the number five pick for, for Dante, so we'll yeah. give him a, a couple more years before we <laughs> call him a bust. <laughs> Fair enough. You mentioned Derek Rose and I'm sure that was a, a tough, tough thing to see go. Yet another team that uh, LeBron stopped prematurely in the East. But what's it been like transitioning from something that looks so promising? I mean, you were the one seed one year, and then mm. now Derrick Rose goes down, the rest of the team gets old, trade Jimmy Butler, and now it's a, yeah. a young team, and you're just trying to look and see who's who's a keeper. Like, well, what, what was that like? Because it seemed it's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, they were the one seed for I reckon three or four years under. Thibodeau's tenure there right as the heat were figuring things out especially so to go from that and feel like there was a chance that they could push the heat into the into the conference finals and the injuries with Derek Rose and with Joakim Noah they were pretty devastating so you know Luol Dan got traded and then I think Noah got traded and then eventually it was it was Rose and it was all over but I was kind of holding on to the fact that we had Jimmy Butler and he was going to be our guy and we we're going to build around him. But, oh man, I've been so frustrated with the management there. Like every decision they've made no since, since, <laughs> since drafting Jimmy Butler, between drafting Jimmy Butler and drafting Laurie Markkinen, I'm not sure if they made any smart moves apart from finally deciding to get rid of Derek and, and Noah, which pains me to say, because Noah has been like my favorite player to watch over the past like 10 years. He's such a, he's a great personality. He's but really great. Yeah. First team all defense. Yeah, but, he was. He was almost, he was third in or fourth in the MVP race the, the year that Rose was out. So yeah, obviously a, a really talented guy in his prime before the injuries kicked in. So yeah. You know Before all about that as a Knicks fan, yeah. <laughs> Before he went to New York and his career died. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, when Butler and that whole situation fell apart and it looked like he wasn't going to be sticking around, it was I was pretty disappointed with the what we got in return from Minnesota. But I guess yeah, I it's just one of those yeah. things where you have to take what you can get from someone that clearly wants to go. You're always in the position of, of losing. You're never going to get exactly equal value back for a superstar. And that's been yeah. the case, like, you know, anyone that's ever let someone go, whether it's Chris Paul getting traded or, or Carmelo going to the Knicks from Denver, it's always pieces and 75 cents on the dollar. And I, I feel like we might have got 60 cents on the dollar for Butler, okay. considering what we got in return. And 
you just have to hope that Levine does turn into something big with that extension that we're probably going to talk about. Uh, what, yeah. what, I mean, what did you think of that extension? Do you think that, like, to me, it's a it's an overpay, but it's an overpay that we can afford at the moment because there's literally no one else on the roster taking up any of those of that cap room. Right. Yeah. That, that's a great question. So, you know, I saw a lot of like, you know, punditry saying it's like it's you're not you can't think about it as that's what we got for Jimmy. We have to retain it. You just have to make a basketball decision. I mean, like, that's fine. But to your point. There, you guys have a lot of cap space. Laurie Markton's just entering his second year, and he's like probably the only player of true consequence on the team right now, apart yeah. from Levine. And the thing about the cap space, I mean, the Knicks are going to try and make at least one max spot. They'll probably do that, and they could try and get a second spot. But it's like it's only so many max guys in 2019 and 2020, and a lot of people are going to have space. As those Especially when like five of them are on the same team. Like you have five yeah. max guys on the Warriors or whatever. So, you know, and the caps can go up a little bit, you know, like eight million again next year. And it's like, yeah, it's it's a big overpay for sure. I don't think Levine's shown enough, partially due to the injury, but also, I mean, is he a good stats bad team guy? I mean, he very well could be, but I think retaining him is probably smart. I, I was kind of happy that they uh, matched the offer sheet because I was like, Sacramento, don't do this because if you do this, you overpay this this springy guard. We know it'll backfire for Sac. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Everything backfires for Sacramento. And you're, you're right. Like, if they were to let someone like Levine go, who are they really going to get that's going to be at least have the upside that he has? Because there's a potential there that he's a 22 point per game scorer. Maybe he figures out how to play defense. Maybe he doesn't. But, you know, in a in a time like this where people uh, kind of there's a bit of the the overpaying of a few seasons ago is kind of starting to backfire and people are being oh, yeah. a bit more cautious about the contracts they're giving out, but I think when there is so much room and no one at least this season coming in to take that and we've also got Robin Lopez probably expiring right. fairly soon as well, so I, I feel like there'll be last year. Yeah, so between Levine hopefully showing some flashes of being someone that people want to play with and uh, our, our two young players that showing a lot of promise as well, I feel like there might be a free agent that we can attempt with a max contract. Hopefully we'll see how that goes. Right, yeah, and that, that's that's the thing too. It's all about you're just trying to uh, swoo someone to come join these young guys who aren't yet all-stars. It's not like you have Carl Anthony Towns or like Giannis where he's like really young yeah. but you, know, you can really see the future for that guy or Porzingis even before he got hurt. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so like, so like as if that's possible though. That's right. And Chicago has been like a surprisingly dry area for f- attracting free agents apart from like getting Dwayne Wade, whatever you want to make of him in, in the, you know, six yeah. months that he was a bull. <laughs> I can't think of a big free agent they've landed since Carlos Boozer. Yeah, I was going to say in, Boozer and, like, and that was he was already well in his career. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that was in 2010 and it was a consolation prize after missing out on, I guess, like Amari Stoudemire going to New York and, a couple other guys signing contracts like like LeBron and people and, and Bosch, Bosch, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I uh, just hope that like Chicago can attract that big fish again finally. Right. Where, where are you on a uh, Chris Dunn right now? Part of the I'm not really anywhere. Team? Yeah. I don't know. I I honestly didn't watch the Bulls much last season because it was so depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there seems to be a few people that think that he'll be around for a while but i don't know I, I feel like they need a scoring point guard and i'd be happy for levine to develop more of a passing 
game and, and be the guy that can do that with some other wings around him, especially with his size. But yeah, I don't know if, if Dunn is the kind of player that you want next to Levine. He's been disappointing for me just because he was an old rookie. I want to say he was like mm-hmm. 23, you know, because okay, they yeah. get a late and stuff. And you think, in theory, he's more developed, more NBA ready if he was going to get taken, what, fifth overall, fourth overall, yeah. and be, you know, a, a rare upperclassman in that situation. And I mean, we know he doesn't have the shot, but I mean, his defense continued to grow. I think he's at least a rotation guard. Yeah. Like a poor man, Marcus Smart, I guess, with less versatility. But, you know, he's probably right. not your starter long term if you have high aspirations. That's right. He's not a starting point guard on a playoff team. And there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of great point guards in the NBA. Like a lot. It could be the deepest position in the league, but somehow we haven't had a good one since Derek Rose. Yep, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> that might Best. be a good segue onto the Knicks, man. Like, how do you feel? Obviously, Pazingas is a talent that, you know, you want to surround with good players, but do you think that his injuries hurt their ability to build around him? That's a great question. Uh, man, it's, you know, it's not the Achilles that Boogie had, and we'll get mm. to that. So I think. It's it's recoverable, especially considering by all accounts, uh, he'll he should just sit out the whole year. In my opinion, I mean, why come wow. back halfway halfway in when the team's gonna be already bad? Let let him finish out a tank and truly recover because he has had some lower body injuries. And unlike you don't want to risk a big he, man, yeah, right. He already had a serious one, so it, it remains to be seen what he can attract until he comes back on the floor for the first time and show people that he still has it. So. You know, it's a big question mark for sure. I don't know. He's kind of well liked among some of the stars, so I think there's potential. I mean, I'm not going to talk myself into Kyrie leaving Boston or KD leaving yeah. and joining the Knicks. I mean, I, I don't need I've that. Heard the rumor. I've heard the rumor. <laughs> or Jimmy Butler will team up with Kyrie in New York, and I'm like, all right, all right, pal. It's well, yeah, it's let's calm down. But I'm I'm overall pretty optimistic about the team just because I feel like we got rid of Phil Jackson, thank God, and. <sighs> While some of his mistakes are still there, like Noah, they're moving in the right direction in terms of keeping young players and not trading away picks, something the Knicks uh, never did for most of the 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a nice change of pace. And it looks like their rookies got a bit of game on him too, from summer league at least. Not that you can go completely off that performance, but yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm big on Kevin Knox because mm. he's not even 19 yet, and he's already shown the scoring ability in summer league. And yeah, he has some flaws like his left and... We'll, you know, shooting will still become more efficient in time, but he's six nine. He's he's an ideal small ball four next to Porzingis, normal three. You know that switchy wing that we saw how valuable it was last year with Jason yeah. Tatum and Jalen Brown. And not that he's anywhere near their level yet, but I think that that's just the the mold that you know NBA teams don't have enough of. So I was happy they finally went with you know selecting him. I was so worried they would take someone Trey Young, who's like or even Michael Porter Jr. Despite he doesn't he doesn't have a back. And just you know, go for some more flashy. But no, they went with the the young Kentucky kid. So I'm yeah. really happy with that. So do you feel like the Knicks are in a similar position to the Bulls, where despite being a huge market and people always say that people want to live in New York, they always want to play in that situation. But who who was the last big free agent they got since Amari? I, I agree. I think they are uh, really similar. And yeah, I mean, Amari was the backup plan. He wasn't LeBron. He wasn't Chris Bosh. And before that, I mean, they just we're more known for getting free agents or trading for former stars. You know, your Malik Roses, your Jerome James, your Eddie Currys, your Steve Francis, Stefan Marbury, those types. Yeah, and that was a bad era. 
old Jalen Rose. The list goes on. It's, yeah. it's a terrible era. <laughs> Antonio McDice. I mean, there's so many of them. But <laughs> and that's the thing about LeBron going to LA. It's like LA has not operated well the past five years. Heck, they they already lost one of their lottery picks in Randall, and they traded their second overall pick Russell to get her off a bad contract. And yet they got LeBron anyway, just because LeBron yeah. wants to live in Los Angeles. <laughs> and oh, in theory that could work for the Knicks, but but you know, like, like the Bulls, it just really hasn't uh, hmm. hasn't come to fruition yet. Fingers crossed. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a more interesting league when the Knicks are good. I'll, I'll put yeah, it that that's way. what I've. That's what everyone tells me, and it's like I really only have recollection of one really good Knicks season, which was 2012-2013, the 54-win Mellow team where Mellow won the scoring title, Chandler won Defensive Player of the Year, JR won six-man. They still lost in the second round, but it's the best thing I saw. And and that was when all the three-pointers were dropping and... Steve Novak, yeah. Yeah, Steve Novak. (laughs) Was, Was Felton on that team, Ray Felton? Yeah. Felton, the comeback and, Felton, because they originally yeah. traded Felton in the Mellow trade. That was, was before that Lin, he got really fat. Was that the Lynn Sanity year as well? Was it Lynn Sanity? I forget. Actually, I think Lynn Sanity was the year after, because I think the, the what, three weeks of Jeremy Lynn is the best point guard play the Knicks have had since Marbury. Yeah, you know, it's not like Marbury's a paragon of astute floor general or anything, but yeah. it's... I uh, kid yeah. for a, a, a while, too. That's the thing about the NBA, is a lot of people, oh, the Knicks suck, James Dolan sucks, uh, they, they have no chance right now. I was like, yeah, that's true. I'm advocating for them to tank. Sit out Porzingis. The NBA is great right now. I have so much interest in damn near every team. So much talent. So much great conversation, whether it's written or podcasts. Like, I love following the NBA. I don't care that my team personally is bad and that pretty much know who will win the title again. Like, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah. But it, you know, it doesn't really bother me at the end of the day. It doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is... People being sour that their team's not in contention, but come on, I'm, I'm calling you out, Andy Cortez. Like, yeah, the the Spurs had the Spurs had like what 20 years of of winning 50 games or more, and when when your star player retires, like Duncan, you're meant to suck for a little bit. You're not meant to go straight onto the next, you know, MVP candidate with Kawhi. Like, I feel like Kawhi was before that. It was kind David of, Robinson and the Tim Duncan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know. I feel like this is the basketball karma just evening out. And mm. I'm sorry, you just have to suck for a few years. The Bulls suck. The Celtics sucked for like decades after Larry. Mm. You know, the Lakers sucked for ages after Magic left and in between Shaq leaving and the last five years since Kobe's injuries and Powell left. So, you know, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure the Spurs will be back as long as um as long as they keep being Spursian. They'll be back within right. four or five years if yeah. Kawhi leaves. But hey, who knows really what's going to happen with that situation? It's, it's so bizarre. Yeah, what's your read on that now? Because it's been a while, and it, it, it seems like the offers aren't good enough to San Antonio's uh, liking, from what we know. Whether mm. the serious offers are it's so just weird. from Philly and LA, or maybe other people are involved. But I mean, I think that's probably the main crux of it is that San Antonio isn't ready to sell super low. But you know, like Butler, mm. like Paul George. When a star wants to go, you got to get something for him. It's just terrible business to let him go. Look what the Atlanta Hawks did. They let Millsap and Horford leave for nothing. And now they're, mm. they're kind of bad. So, you know, it's, I mean, what's your read on Kawhi right now? I wonder if the delay is a last-ditch effort to convince him to stay. And uh, I don't know. Like, there's been a lot of speculation about him and Tony Parker or that, you know, the, the sourness of that relationship being a factor but tony has kind of come out and said that's you know been overblown by the media and him wanting to leave is nothing to do with 
with Kawhi. So make of that what you will. But I wonder the people saying that the Spurs will just hold off and not trade him at all out of spite almost. Like I think they're too smart to do that. Like they're too smart to allow themselves to be left stranded without anything in return. And I can understand saying like we, we won't be held hostage. We're not the kind of franchise that lets a player dictate these kinds of moves. But at the same time, that's where the league's at these days. You can't ignore the fact that when a player wants to go, they often end up going where they want to at that mm-hmm. level. Like we saw Melo force his way to New York. We've seen, you know, Chris Paul force his way to LA first to the Lakers until basketball reasons happened and then to the Clippers and back again to Houston. So it's, it's really, I think a situation where people aren't going to take the rental. The Paul George case is an anomaly in that no one expected him to stay in OKC and they somehow convinced him to stay. And maybe it's because he didn't want to play with LeBron. I don't know. I, that's a kind of that's a kind of crazy story in itself, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think the, <laughs> the whole idea of, of taking a rental on Kawhi, especially given his attitude of the past eight months, yeah. it, it would be crazy to take him unless you knew that he was going to stay. Right, and that's what my 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 whole thing about him too is: if you wanted to leave and go to a bigger market, go to a different organization, whatever, mm. that's fine. You're far from the first star, high level player to want to do that. You won't be the last. But the whole like visiting a million doctors to get the right opinion you want to hear and then like avoiding the locker room and avoiding the bench in the playoff games and just that's the bad look to me because it just makes mm. you look like a diva and it's really weird because you never had that reputation yeah, it's off you brand never it's, spoke <laughs> <laughs> it's so unspursian that tim duncan would be shaking his head if he was still following the nba he's probably like on a boat somewhere or like yeah. car- carving a, a canoe in his in his garage or reading comics who knows what he's up to these days <laughs> But like the t- the Tony Parker thing, uh, was 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 kind of eye opening to me because I know like some Spurs fans, a lot of Spurs fans love Tony Parker. Of course, he has a Finals MVP and a bunch of rings, but he does have like a few moments in the locker room, like stuff with like girlfriends and whatnot. But the fact that he left <laughs> for the Hornets, I thought was it was a quite telling. Just I guess I I didn't confirm this, but apparently there's like direct flights to Paris from Charlotte, East Coast <laughs> city. Uh, I haven't heard that is for him. I don't get it from Charlotte's yeah. perspective. It's like you gave two years to a non-athletic, non-shooting point guard when you're about to get rid of Kemba Walker. What use do you have for this guy? Like, I think they're I don't understand. Gonna, gonna let Kemba go. I think they need to. They're, they're up against the cap. Uh, sorry, they're up against the tax. They really can't improve much. I mean, they tried. They took a swing with Dwight Howard last year, you know, and Batum has really slowed down since his big contract. So they're kind of locked in what they have. Cody Zeller is useful, but overpaid. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist can't shoot. So Malik Monk did not light it up as a rookie. I still believe in him, but I think that they just need to, uh, you know, reset with him. And, you know, there there was talk of him going to the Cavs before LeBron left. But yeah, so I think Tony Parker will have an interesting role there. Once Kemp moves, whether it's at the trade deadline or before the season. Sure, yeah. I, I would have thought that they'd be doing everything they could to hold on to him and try and rebuild without losing such a, a great player like him. But if he's had enough of that situation, as players often do when they're young and in a small market and not winning games, then yeah, I can see him, I guess. Maybe they've they've seen that the writing's on the wall and he might be looking elsewhere. But they, they had a good they had a good run recently. Like I don't can't remember if it was this season the one before but you know they surprise a lot of people with how well they played but yeah I, I guess it's it it might be bringing tony parker in could be a way to 
not tank, but lose games, <laughs> lose games, lose more games than than win. <laughs> oh you yeah, know? I mean, I know Zach Lowe used to write about um Chris, Cristiano Felicio on your Bulls team, yeah. from like the tank warrior because like his like permanent numbers were just like disastrous and perfect for tanking. Bring him in, yeah. <laughs> I really want to see them um, assemble like a French, an old French lineup, and see how that works. Like. Throw him out there with Batum and Diaw, and and bring Evan Fournier in, and and just see go how right? yeah, and go bear, yeah. see how the how the chemistry works when you've got uh, some some nationals yeah. playing together, speaking like their native language, so everyone else is out there not <laughs> not knowing what they're saying. Like you know, we're gonna double team him on the next play. Like they could just say it out in the open, and and no one would know. It'd be great. That'd be funny. <laughs> yeah, it I always wanted to a... see the, the the Gasols role with uh with with Rubio and and how that would work. For sure, just because like the Spanish national team is always really good, but there's also mm. a lot of non-NBA players on the team. It would be cool yeah. if we just gave them some decent backups and saw how far they could go because it had the chemistry. So yeah, that's it. With Butler not getting traded for much, with Kawhi maybe not getting traded at all at this point, kind of reminds me of when Demarcus Cousins was recently traded mm. for not not a whole lot, but he healed in a pick really, and there was an extra year on his deal. He's on the Golden State Warriors after tearing his Achilles. I mean, NBA Twitter fucking was a flame when that happened a few days ago, about a week ago, right? Uh, what was your reaction when you saw the news that Boogie is uh, going to be on the mend in the Bay? Yeah, I, I feel like the internet w- was like way overreacting to this. Um, I, I think you might agree with me. We know that the Achilles injury is a real killer to NBA players. There's mm-hmm. been no one really except Dominic Wilkins in like the, yeah. the late 80s or mid 80s who's come back from it and been the same as far as production goes. Wes Matthews is pretty close to the same stats, but it's pretty obvious watching him that he's not the same guy. He's playing for a team like the the Mavs where he can just take as, almost as many shots as he wants. So that's really the only reason his numbers haven't suffered. Um, and that's points per game. I'm sure the shooting percentage is way down. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, for a big man to go through that injury is pretty concerning even though Boogie's young, so it's going to play into his favor. But the fact that he's on the Warriors, I think people are just expecting him to come out and be an all-star or be like 80% of the player he was. That's just not like realistic for this injury. And even if he was to come back, you know, I don't know, like around Christmas or January, and some people think it will be even later, but it's hard to tell because the recovery is so variable. I think missing training camp, with the Warriors and coming into a team that's so established, they're not just going to throw him in there into the starting lineup and be like, go get 20 points a game because it's a team where you've already got three guys that are doing that every, you know, every game and not really enough shots to keep doing that and incorporate boogie. So it'll be interesting how it works. It'll definitely be entertaining to see him out there with Draymond and some of the, (laughs) some of the stuff that goes on. But I think Steve Kerr is the kind of guy that, We'll be able to figure it out. And I just wonder if Boogie will, what's his motivation to be there? Is it just to get there and win the championship? Or is it to use this one-year deal to audition for his next contract? Because, you know, we don't really know what his motivations are and what he's playing for. Because mm-hmm. he's still young enough that he can try and get another massive contract before he's past his prime and that might be a fairly big motivator or maybe he's just like you know I've actually made quite a bit of money so far let me just play with some great teams and win rings and that would be like obviously what 
most people would imagine you know as a as a common fan like that's that makes sense that's what you want to see people do but who knows how how these nba players think especially someone like boogie <laughs> yeah yeah i have a pretty similar read i was already like getting in text arguments with friends i was like you guys gotta relax it's like you mentioned west matthews and west matthews has started to look you know decent last year on a bad team and the injury was when what early 2016 late 2015 it takes it took a few seasons for west matthews blazes, to get back was he on the yeah. places yeah rudy gay another example mario chalmers sat out a whole season now you're gonna tell me that a 280 pound big man is gonna come back really fast and be useful and like hey i, I have no doubt that he'll get back on the court in early 2019. We've seen that evidence usually. But that doesn't mean he's anywhere close to where he is. I was like, oh, well, if he's 80% of, of what he was, he's still better than any center they used to have. He's better than Zaza. I was like, do you realize like he's pros and cons? Like He's a terrible defender. He's a half-court player. And he's already a locker room mouth of 10. 80% of Boogie could be horrendous. And not what the the Warriors are going to want. They like I I really could be it could that. be what tears apart the the Warriors. <laughs> this could I be the end of the Warriors. Take it. I was rooting for Dwight Howard to go just because the Dwight Bola virus is undefeated. Yeah. But Coach I mean, Killer. but I think what I what I keep envisioning in my head is that Boogie is healthy enough to at least play. Obviously not effect really effective, but he's not good enough for the Warriors standards, and they don't really play him. Hmm. And because like they have defensive standards that they're not going to just throw away if Boogie can yeah. inefficiently get 15 points in 20 minutes you know what happens so, if he comes in and he's not happy with the amount of touches he's getting or he's not happy with the way that they're using him like it can I can see him getting upset pretty quickly and you know if there's a team that can handle a, a, a guy with Boogie's personality I'm sure it's a team with Steve Kerr and those kinds of veterans around him but it's just such a unknown really you know, to that point, I mean, David West alluded to them having some locker room turmoil this past season, and you already could see like the the malaise of mm-hmm. having the target on their back for so long. And now you're gonna throw Boogie in there because again, Boogie is motivated to play well to get paid, and he won't be getting paid by the Warriors. I mean, due to the way the cap works, they only can offer him like what 120% of the last contract. So Boogie wants a max or a near max. He can't get it from Golden State anyway. Yeah. So. Golden State is neither invested in his success long term, nor is Boogie invested in Golden State's success. A lot of people, oh, you know, it's, it's the, the snake move. You just pulled the Kevin Durant. No one wants to compete. I'm like, all right, fine, but also he's gonna miss <laughs> half the season, and why not do that while sitting around for a ring? I don't blame him. He also sat in Sacramento for six and a half years. I think he gets a free pass for some stuff. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think after you've played in Sacramento, <laughs> you get to you get to ring chase for one year. We'll give him one year of it to to get yeah. that taste out of his mouth. The Sacramento taste. Sorry, I think Snowbike Mike's a Sacramento fan, but oh, is he? Well, I know I he's only been know one Kings. Sac fan. So that yeah, I think he's <laughs> he's been to some Kings games last season, so that might be the closest team to where he lives. But if you are a fan, I'm sorry, but that, man, the, following the Kings must be the hardest job in in an NBA fandom. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, especially since like they were so close with the Bibby and Stojakovic run, mm-hmm. and then they got robbed with the Lakers series. And now, I mean, look at how many of... lottery picks they've just missed on oh, the past few years. Ben McElmore, yeah. Nick Stavskis, yeah. Robinson, Jim even guys that are used. Yep, definitely Jimmer. Willie Cauley-Stein, he's like rotation big, but not fifth overall. Some of those now guys this year, in the league, yeah. they took Marvin Bagley over Doncic. <laughs> Not a fan of the move. 
there's a chance Bagley's like the fourth best big. You you could have the better Duke big man on your team and Wendell Carter. I w- I felt that was a risky swing too, but they also got lucky with Bogdanovich. So and they have De'Aaron Fox, so they're not horrendous. They have some talent, but poor not for the Kings fans. Boogie put up a lot of shit there. A lot of it his fault too, but to put a cap on that, I just until proven otherwise, until an Achilles injury player makes an impact the following season in a meaningful way. I'm just not going to believe it's going to happen because it hasn't really happened. Yeah, I'll eat my words if he comes out and, and averages 18 or something. Like, that would be pretty amazing on that team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's also a, an awesome insurance for the Warriors if there is an injury to any of their star players. Like, they can just slot in Demarcus and the scoring load will be covered completely and they won't need Curry or Durant or Clay to average 30. Right. It's it's a it's a kind of a no brainer for them to bring in someone like that for that contract when the opportunity's there. But oh, of course. And the other thing people are kind of totally overlooking is that the market wasn't really there for Boogie this year. I yeah, the Lakers didn't even wanted, make an offer. Like he wanted, you know, a multi year deal, and I think he probably knew he wasn't getting a full max, and but he wanted, you know, something long term and a decent, you know, annual value. And why wouldn't he not? He should try. I mean, Isaiah Thomas thought he deserved it too, and then he got hurt. So the fact that he wasn't getting it. And then everyone else fill up their cap space. I think now there's all this like revisionist arguments. Oh well, Boogie should have informed Boston and Washington that he would have done it for five million, <laughs> so they could have planned around him. It's like no, that's not how it works. He's 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 a human being. Like it was Monday, he hadn't had any offers, and a lot of teams had already paid people. I mean, the freaking bull gave Ursin Ilyasova a three-year deal right away. <laughs> you know, it's like. It only can be helped so much. And then, yeah. like, Sacramento was like, hey, we don't want to reunite with uh, Boogie, but we'll give Levine four years, 80. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the Lakers could have had Boogie, but they signed JaVale instead. Right. Figure that out. So, I don't know if it's time to talk about the Lakers yet, but... You, why not? Go for it. Okay. So you sign LeBron James. That's an A-plus move. You get, you're get you doing well on the report card. And then you sign Lance Stevenson. Okay. Maybe he can produce something of value on the right team with the, in the right situation. He'll never be what he was in Indiana, but, you know, okay, mm-hmm. interesting guy. JaVale McGee, I think it was a $4 million contract. Does that, does that sound right to you? $4 million or $2 million? Or it might have been two. It's like, it's like the veteran minimum, more yeah. or less, for their years of service. It's like, okay, you've used 4 or $5 million between those two guys. And then Contavious Caldwell-Pope for $12 mil. Oh. That is the move that just you, well, breaks. You know why that move happened. It's the clutch, clutch thing, isn't it? Yeah. But it's effectively made LeBron move to a team that's worse than the one he was on. It's... Yeah, and don't forget Rondo as well. Oh, man. Yeah. And there's, you you got, know, there's that rule about... <laughs> there's that rule about having one... You can manage one head case per team, but as soon as you pair up two head cases, you're in trouble. Like, you really need to work hard to... To keep those guys from from bringing the team down, and they've got now they've got Lance Javale. I think we can give Javale a pass. He's a bit of a goofball, but he's not like crazy. Right. He's not like a high, high man. Yeah, yeah. And, and then Rondo, you throw Rondo in there with, uh, you know, I I, I already want to know how he reacts to to Lonzo Ball's dad saying that he's going to back him up. He's going to back up the kid. It'll be a nice backup. It's like, oh man. I just wonder what they're thinking and how they can look LeBron in the eye after convincing him to go there and then surrounding him with these guys that are, I don't know, like, is it is it possible that they could, no, you can't miss the players with LeBron. 
But, you know, if they're trying to miss the playoffs with LeBron, this is the closest they could get. Probably, yes. Uh, I don't think I don't I don't think they'll miss, obviously, given they're, they're not that far away last year without him. But I mean, I did see the stat thrown out by Matt, Matt Moore on Twitter of players to play a thousand minutes at least last year. Rajon Rondo had the second highest defensive rating on his team. Lance had the highest. And then JaVale only played 615, but had the fourth highest overall in the Warriors. So it's like you want to cherry pick some defensive metric stats. Maybe LeBron <laughs> wants some guys that will grind harder on defense than, than him so that he can you know save himself, I guess. I think the main thing, though, I think Kevin O'Connor really brought this home, is that they're all one-year deals. You know, the 2019 free agents, there's a bunch of them. Hmm. And, you know, if, but do you want to waste? Point, do you want to waste a year of LeBron's prime, like treading right. water with a weird roster? Like I, I just thought Kawhi was the play or Demarcus was yeah. the play. They obviously didn't want Demarcus because they didn't offer him anything. Like they could have got got him for five or six mil. Mm-hmm. When you sign LeBron, that's the chance to get a bunch of guys that will play for nothing just to play with LeBron and to have a chance at a ring. We've seen that in Miami. We saw that in Cleveland yep. with a bunch of veterans that would sign there, like like Ray Allen going there, leaving Boston to Shane play in Miami. Richard yeah, Lewis, Buddy, Mike Miller's, like all yeah. these people that, you know, they're out of the league now. But at the time, like they were guys that other teams would have paid for, but they were willing to play with a stacked team if it meant that they had a chance to go deep into the playoffs. But instead, they, they I feel like they rushed and they went after... JaVale and, and Lance and, and Rondo and Caldwell Pope when there were guys worth getting like they could have gone after Ariza or they could have gone after you know a bunch of guys that would have gone to battle for them yeah I mean Montres Harrell still ain't signed I really like him yeah I mean heck you could have thrown money at Capella yeah, yeah. Space. I, I, I think probably what happened was they wanted Paul George and Paul George went back to OKC and they're like all right we're less excited about trading away all the young kids for Kawhi without mm. already signing PG, you know? So maybe now they're just kind of banking on, yeah, we're, we're, we'll, we'll risk, we'll risk LeBron kind of not wasting a year, but not being super serious about this year and then just sign Kawhi outright. But I mean, yeah, LeBron is going to be what? 34 at the end of the year and year 16. It's, he's going to slow down at some point, you know? So it does seem risky to not go all in, in a smart way. But yeah, these are treading water moves that, as you said, with you know the head case thing. I mean, there's great benefit that they, a great chance that they are negative moves mm. in the one year. So very perplexing. Do you think that it would be an offer on the table to the Spurs around some of those young players, or do you think that, like you said, they don't want to lose any of what they've got? Like they don't want to lose any assets, so they're waiting till they can just sign Kawhi without that. Yeah, I think. I think the main piece they want to hold is Brandon Ingram just because yeah. he's so young and you see his potential already. He's already shown the flashes and you can really see him as a, you know, grabbing the torch from LeBron in a few years. But you know, on the other hand, they have all these young guys and you do have to pay them all. Eventually it's still really far away. But if, you, if you're going to make a team full of max contracts, you can't have all these young guys eventually. That's still really far away. So it's like, yeah, Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, and Josh Hart. Julius Randle's gone now. So it's like, are you trade two of them or maybe one with a pick? You know, I, I thought once they renounced Randall, I thought Randall was an obvious like sign and trade guy for them just because he's still useful and valuable, former yeah, top 10 definitely. pick. But yeah, I mean, would you, I mean, as a Laker fan, would you want them to 
trade a lot the the few pieces that worked from this five year terrible stretch post Kobe to get Kawhi Leonard when you could probably just sign him. I mean, in, I'm a Yankee fan and Yankee fans are talking about this in baseball right now with Manny Machado. It's like, do you do you trade assets for the guy that you could probably just sign in a few months? You know, it all depends think, on how yeah. much you value. It, it, it's you could see it either way. It's hard though because you know things change so quickly. I think yep. that if I was a Lakers fan, I'd want them to lock up. Kawhi and have a year of him playing with LeBron and sure. uh, kind of yeah try and push for an extension or for a re-signing at the end of next season. And if they're not going to do that, I don't know. Like, would it be worth looking at other moves to bring in like maybe Demar Derozan or or someone that is able to make this not a completely guy. wasted season? Yeah, like obviously the the Raptors are looking at what they can do to improve their chances and. Is it to bring in some young guys like, you know, whether you'd trade like Ingram and Luol Deng's contract for uh, DeRozan and another piece over there? I don't know, but right. I, I don't Even know. Kemba, I, I, like we said before. Yeah, Kemba, like, I just feel like, you know, it's, it's maybe it will be a year where LeBron is mentoring some of those young guys and that will be enough to keep him engaged and to keep the team from just treading water. But yeah, it's it's hard to see the moves they've made after signing LeBron and not think that they've missed some opportunities. Yeah. yeah, And he has to know that the team is currently constructed without Kawhi Leonard. You're not a favorite to make the Western Conference Finals. That team isn't better than Houston or Golden State. Doesn't mean they couldn't get there, but you know, maybe he's content to, to have a, sh- a shorter season. I don't know. You'd think that he just want to keep going balls to the wall as long as he's this effective. It's tough to really know, you know, what they're thinking yeah maybe it is just an, a purely long-term vision of of these young guys that they want to be part of the franchise i don't know but you, you would think that trading a little you know not not all of the young guys like even if you sent ingram away you're still going to have kuzma and and ball or if you you know replaced one of those others with ingram i feel like it's a price worth paying to get someone like Kawhi, who can then you can then use that to attract other you know vets or buyout contracts that pop up throughout the season that can be really valuable so right. yeah i mean i'm i'm not going to complain if the lakers are bad this year I, i'm happy for them to suck con- to continue sucking <laughs> but <laughs> we'll see yeah guys it's going to be fun watching the kobe fans uh handle this with lebron that <laughs> i mean I, you know, I think i saw this thrown out there when lebron signed this could embolden the Kobe fans if LeBron doesn't make the finals in a year in, in the first two years or something or ever. They'd be like, "Oh, look at this! Here it is! Here's proof. Kobe yeah. was always better. We knew, you know. It's like oh, this could this actually could go really bad, <laughs> or it, he could have a fantastic year and they'll have to admit that he's the best Laker of all time." Yeah, I, mean, I think that was the thing. I think Nick Nick Wright on uh, FS1 was like, "Oh, well now." That LeBron signed with the Lakers, Kobe is officially no longer one of the five best players to ever wear a Laker uniform. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, man. That, I, I love hearing that. That's, that's, that's great, great stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. How surprised were you when Paul George st- st- uh, stood by with Russell Westbrook and OKC? I was shocked. Oh, yeah, probably like a, an 8 out of 10 on that one. There was so much talk. There was so much, like, hints. Yeah, it was almost just like a, a lock. It was a guarantee. 
he's going to LA. It was a given. Like everyone just talked about it like it was it was happening. It wasn't it wasn't a kind of like LeBron, oh, we think he's probably gonna leave. We think, you know, you can read the tea leaves and you can, you know, look like read between the lines and see it wouldn't make sense for him to leave. It wasn't like that with Paul George. It was he's going, he's gonna he's going to LA and it's only a matter of like who's gonna be there with him. Mm-hmm. So when he said that he was signing with he was gonna re sign with Oklahoma, I was yeah, kinda surprised, especially since they were so mediocre. And I, I say that in the in sure. the sense that they they weren't spectacular as it's as a lot of people expected them to be. There's a lot of people who still overrate Carmelo. And as a as a Knicks fan, I, I'm interested if you're you know, there's a lot of Knicks fans who are very defensive about Carmelo and they say that he's like one of the best five players of the last, you know, of the last of this era or whatever. But I think he's he's been fairly overrated and he's been especially someone that's not willing to recognize his own inabilities and his deficiencies. So for a player that's been off- offensive focused and has slowed down with his age and isn't necessarily an explosive scorer, he hasn't. He's been completely shut off to any kind of backseat that might be willing to be necessary, whether it's coming off the bench or or whatever. It and that makes me think that you know, now that he's gone from Oklahoma, is he going to finally embrace that? And is he going to become the Olympics mellow that we always wanted to see on a contender like Houston or something? What do you think? Yeah, I mean. The dude shot 40% from the field last year. He just didn't shoot well. Now you can yeah. look at the numbers. Like Westbrook got George and Mello. Lots of great catch-and-shoot opportunities. I have plenty of criticisms of Westbrook, but he does get the ball to guys sometimes. Yeah. Mello just didn't shoot well. And you know his best year with the Knicks was when he was playing the four because he was faster than all of them, and he could shoot over uh, the threes. And it, he was really effective then. And yeah, he's older now, but the lack of a willingness to you know, change your role, then blame the role on why you didn't play well. It just, it's really confounding when the results aren't there anymore. And obviously I don't blame him for opting into his deal. That's the deal Phil signed him to. Mm-hmm. Um, the OKC is smart to move him and we, we still don't know exactly what's going to happen. I, I, I assume they're just going to buy him out. I mean, why would Houston really take on that contract even for this, this year? I mean, unless they can somehow move Ryan Anderson back to OKC. But the whole incentive for OKC is to get off that, get less luxury tax. So, you know, I'm not actually sure the incentive to accommodate, you know, more salary for them. So, but yeah, I mean, Mello on the Rockets is is also really confounding to me just because him and D'Antoni didn't have a great end to their time together in New York. (laughs) And also what you think you're a starter? And them, I mean, they did lose a reason. They did lose Lamba Mute. They just signed James Ennis yesterday. I mean, James Ennis should be starting with a three over, over Mello, but maybe they start Mello. I don't know. But you're the clear fourth fiddle in the offense there because Clint Capello gets plenty of shots uh, set up for him. So yeah. I don't think it's as, a great either. But you as, know, as good no, as you know, know, as much as he would, you know, struggle with the uh, label of of coming off the bench. He would be an amazing six man to come in and take over the offense for a spurt and just be that scorer that fills in while you know the the 
number one go-to guy is catching a, a break. I think that, like I, like I mentioned, Olympics Mellow is is the ultimate version of Mellow that just comes in and he's aggressive and he can give everything he's got for a few minutes at a time and, you know, ch- change the flow of the game with that explosive scoring. You know, not that he has the first step that he once had or maybe the shooting ability that he once had, but I think that if he's used sparingly, he can have that impact and it's something that, uh, you know, he doesn't seem willing to embrace, but who knows, it might just take the right situation to put him in and, and putting him next to someone that, you know, like Harden or putting him next to uh, Chris Paul or, or someone that can tell him this is what we need you to do, if they can get him to do that, then mm-hmm. it might work and it might be the, the difference that they need. And him and Chris Paul obviously are good friends, the banana yeah. boat obviously, but yeah. Chris Paul also is a hard ass in the locker room. He'll talk shit to you and tell you you're fucking up. So maybe in a sense that's a good pair because they're both friends, but also Chris Paul will keep it real with him. I yeah. don't know. But I just I just can't get over that. Like you didn't like spotting up and moving less. I, I don't understand. Like every shooter as they age loves to just move off screens and shoot the ball. Or even to stand in the corner, so it's like I don't know. He, he thinks he he still thinks that his ISO play is efficient enough to, to be you know desirable for a team, and I, I just don't know why he can still think that when we just don't have the results. And yeah, I mean to your point about some Knicks fans, I I know some Knicks fans that are like, oh, it's Westbrook's fault. They weren't using him right. Go somewhere else. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but unlikely. And it's like I, I thought Portland was kind of an interesting fit just because Portland could, you know, use yeah, change. You know, they need a wing they also, like that. They also would have a hard time accommodating his 27 mil, but yeah, I mean, Houston, I mean, why not Houston? I mean, worst thing they do is they just won't play him. D'Antoni will not give a fuck. He just won't play him. And, <laughs> you know, once you're already in the season, if you really wanted to, you could just wave him. It's the final year of his deal anyway. But I think they would, you know, I, I don't know how high the upside is, though, now, you know? And, yeah. The, uh, the, the players like that who. Like he's he's not exactly a Blake Griffin flying through the air kind of player in his prime, but players who lose their athleticism, I guess, like Dwayne Wade has in in recent years, and yep. um, we're seeing from Melo, like if they don't adapt the way that Jordan realized he had to adapt, and the way that Kobe realized he had to adapt, they just fall out of relevance so quick. And I think Paul Pierce is someone that did really well in sure acknowledging his limitations and being like, okay, I'm not the guy that's going to score 20 every game, but I'm going to get you six points in the last three minutes and I'm going to take the final shot and I'm going to score when it counts. And I think that, not that Melo's quite at that point yet, but he's, he's kind of, I feel like he's kind of getting close to what we were seeing from that, you know, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Washington version of Paul Pierce. Yeah, I mean, he's already... 34 is a year older than LeBron because he did a year in college. So, yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. Um, any other free agency developments that you uh, were interested uh, about? Yeah, I mean, I, I, as we're talking about Mello, and I kind of enjoy seeing the arrogant stars of the past having to kind of humble themselves by the fact that they're not wanted as much <laughs> as they used to be. Like, you see Dwight Howard getting waved from Brooklyn. He finally got his, his trade to Brooklyn and they waived him. And, you know, it, it just goes to show he had a really great season last year, statistically. Yeah. But people aren't going to put up with, you know, what you're bringing in terms of 
the negative energy to the locker room or any level of arrogance that doesn't gel with with what a team's trying to do. So I think he he has actually some potential to put up some really good numbers in Washington and play with a point guard like John Wall. He's you know Joe House keeps saying that he's never played with yeah. a point guard <laughs> as good as John Wall and. <laughs> <laughs> So that that will be fun, I think. Just uh, is it an upgrade from Gortat to Dwight? I don't know, but I, I think it will it be. Is. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, and I guess um, I guess yeah, that, that's probably the most of the the big free agent signings that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, unless Capella went somewhere else, but no one really else has enough space to give him the deal. Yeah, it's just a just a Mexican standoff right now between it's, Houston. Yeah. And and him. It's crazy that uh, Levine could get a contract of, you know, eight, uh, 80 over four years, and Capella can't get that when he's a far more uh, effective player. It's not on the offensive end, it's on the defensive end, but he's he's impacting the game a lot more than, than Levine, and yet people don't seem as willing to pay for the big man. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, this would never have happened, but I kind of wish Chris Paul had taken less money just because of his age and his injury history, because that would have really helped them. But mm. no one really, you know, everyone wants to get their dollars, which I, I can't blame them, of course. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, a lot of people stayed home just because there wasn't a whole lot of money out there. You know, again, all those bad deals in 2016 and the lack of caps moving, there's just only so much room. That's why everyone's kind of gearing up for next year like the Knicks and yeah. Bulls among everyone else. So, you know, next year you got what Clay Thompson, Durant, uh, Boogie, hopefully healthy. Um, Kyrie can opt out, uh, Jimmy Butler. So there's a lot of, there's a chance for a lot of movement again in, in about a year, but this, in, this season will be interesting in terms of we could see some big names get moved to the deadline again, as teams get a handle on whether the stars want to leave. Personally, I'd be really interested if Kyrie left just because, He'd be living in such a great situation, such a stacked team, great coach, yeah. uh, great future, more assets to come. Just to leave that, just because he already has the ring. I, I don't know what his motivations are anymore. He's like, I just want to play with my friend Jimmy Butler. Peace yeah. out. You know? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be wild. That would be great, yeah. Do you think that we're going to have a situation where someone is smart enough in the West, one of these big stars, to say, if I go to the Eastern Conference... I can do what LeBron's been doing for the last eight years and I can just take my team to the finals every year, like whether it's Durant or if it's Butler on the right in the right situation, you know, probably not the Bulls, unfortunately, uh, or if it's, I don't know, like a Paul George going back there eventually. I don't know. Do you think that, that someone sees that opportunity and embraces it and, I mean, and becomes that, that perennial final contender? I'd like to think so. I mean... Look at the stars that are in the East right now. Giannis, his team's borderline incompetent, can't put a good team around him, so he's not a top-tier contender, unfortunately. DeRozan on the Raptors. Uh, Lowry's old. they got some young players, but you know they always feel like they have a cap ceiling with DeRozan unless he continues to grow. You have, you have Kyrie in, in, in Boston and maybe Tatum, too. Okay, well, yeah. And then uh, the Philly guys, Embiid and Simmons. And then who's the next best star? Oladipo in Indy? Like... You get down to that, yeah. Get down to that next tier of like your Kemba Walkers and and uh, those kinds Wall of guys. Wall deal, I guess. And like I, yeah. I really, I used to love Wall too, but I, he's took a step back last year. And 
yeah, there's just plenty of room. I mean, if KD went to Chicago or New York or anywhere else, yeah, he's immediately pushing for a one seed and for the foreseeable future. I mean, meanwhile, in the West, you have a, a great young team with a lot of talent like the Nuggets who might miss the playoffs again for the third year. Like, it's just a total bloodbath and you don't yeah. need to put up with it. I mean, it, it, I mean, I, I don't see the incentive to stay in the West at this point. I, mean, I, I assume Clay Thompson will stay with Golden State, but I could see Durant leaving. Uh, I really could see it just because all the shit he's got, you know? Yeah. It'll be um, a, a great time to open up that conversation of reseeding the, the playoffs into just the best, you know, the best 15, six, uh, yeah, 16 teams, especially with how stacked it is. And, and the fact that I, I guess a team like the Pelicans or the Timberwolves would probably be a one or two seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and and might not even make the playoffs. And like I saw a compromise. Like, oh, why don't you the first four seeds in the East Conference still count, and then after that they're all together for reseeding. I'm like, yeah, right. that's fine. If that's what you have to do, fine, do it. Just because the conferences don't impact schedule as much as you think. It's what like one or two extra games. Like it's not like it's this huge like uh, you know par- uh, strength of schedule parity question. You know, the West plays the East, and the East plays the West all the time. It doesn't it's not a big mm-hmm. deal. So. Yeah, I guess I, it I makes mean, the tiebreakers a lot more significant as well. Yeah, I, I also think like playoff travel is always thrown out, but I feel like that's a a, a solution that can be figured out. They're smart people yeah. at the NBA, you know. That's right. They but, can uh, lengthen out the the days between games if they have to. <laughs> well, John, I think this has been great. Always a lot to talk about in the NBA. I'm sure we'll keep going. You know, like Absolutely. I said before, I I could talk about literally any team. Even like the magic, there's storylines everywhere. Oh, so Memphis, I'm sure yeah. Memphis, man, they they love Jaron Jackson. They really want to compete <laughs> again. Good luck living with Dallas. <laughs> uh, I think we can do this again because I'm sure things will happen between now and literally tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on. And yeah, uh, we might have to uh, reconvene at the start of the season and see what's changed since now. <laughs> and if you're listening, I plan to keep doing this with other people, getting back into talking about basketball because there's again great time to be a fan. So. Thanks for listening. Check out Put In Work Pod. Follow Jono at Jono Peck. Jono himself, yeah. Oh, my bad. Jono himself, right. Oh, good. Oh, and good. hit him up on that. Put In Work Pod at Put In Work Pod, right? That's it. Well. That's it. Hell yeah. And stay tuned for the normal pop culture programming every week. But until then, peace out. Yeah.